Hi everyone, I'm Wendy Muse, creator of the Left Pocket Project, which brings you the history of leftists of color one swipe at a time. And this is the Left Pocket Project podcast. This episode is going to be a comrade mommy episode, so for anyone who's completely uninterested in left lefty parenting, um, feel free to you know skip this. <laughs> um, I always have to say that because I recognize that it's not everyone's thing, and like obviously um, I don't expect everyone to be interested in this, so I don't take it personally. But just know that if you do stick around, um, feel free, even if you aren't a parent, to do so. You may learn something. You may be interested in one of the things that I um, discuss. And you also may want to share this episode with a friend, family member, or whatever who is a parent and is interested in sources for parenting that are um, not all consumer-driven and right-leaning, hyper-religious and or centrist. So yeah, with all that said, uh, welcome. I should start off first before I really say anything else to remind everyone to please subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already. Um, Obviously, Left POC, you can find anywhere. So just search Left POC on Twitter, on Facebook, on Patreon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And you can find information about the overall podcast where I tend to interview um, people who talk about leftists of color throughout history. Um, I also have a book series that I do with my co-host named Richard. Uh, The name of the series, of course, is Reading Revolution, where we read and discuss works that were inspiring to or written by um, leftists of color. And uh, we also have a sub-series called Left POC of the Week that I've been very bad about updating, um, but that does exist. So I will be sure to um, include a little bit more about that soon when I have some free time, which is hilarious to even think about. Um, but yeah, in that series, I discuss um, leftists of color from around the world and the history and, and movements that they were involved in. Anyway, um, I usually am way more professional during these sorts of things, at least the, the more formal side of the podcast. Obviously, for those of you who are new to the Comrade Mommy side of the podcast, I'm very casual in it. And I'm so casual tonight that I'm actually going or this morning. Sorry, it's past midnight. I'm so casual in it that I'm actually going to drink some coffee as we speak because I'm entering what I like to call my fourth shift of the day. So um, generally, I wake up around four in the morning. Um, at that point, I try to eat something. I pump, I clean a little bit, I prepare milk for the baby, and I do everything I need to do as much as humanly possible for the day, take a shower, etc. Um, and then at some point later, a few hours later, my husband and my child will wake up. Normally my dog would wake up as well, but unfortunately we had to give my dog away to my mom uh, because my daughter is allergic. So that's another story for another day. But anyway, um, that's my first shift. Then my second shift is from around eight until six, which is when I work with the baby. Um, I'm, (laughs) I'm her mom, but I'm also a daycare attendant because my husband works from home and can't take care of her during the day or at least during the week. Uh, so then that's my second shift. And then my third shift is after that. So from around six, six 30 until, um, I don't know, whenever I pass out from exhaustion, um, 
and during that time I usually cook, I clean, I try to do some of my own work. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, that I try to do some of my own work at that point, uh, working through extreme exhaustion. And then I sleep sometimes, usually by accident, but often, often for about, if at all, three hours. Sometimes I don't sleep at all, which is really scary and unhealthy, but that's how it goes. Um, anyway, I will sleep for about three hours and then wake up and start all over again. So this is what I'm working. I'm kind of like running on fumes right now. And uh, I have to do these sorts of podcasts, not only to vent, but also just kind of discuss things that I think are important um, for parents. And especially right now, like parenting in a pandemic is a whole separate like conundrum in and of itself. And I think a unique situation to be in, um, a uniquely stressful situation to be in. I'm a first-time parent, so it's like even more uniquely stressful of a situation to be in. But we're we're doing the best we can over here. Um, but anyway, that all that said, I'm gonna drink some coffee while we're having this discussion. So let me take a sip right now, so I don't pass out while I'm talking to you guys. Mm. So consider this like a coffee mukbang or something, because uh, I'm gonna be drinking a, a huge cup of coffee. So I wanted to talk today about Christmas and the holidays and. Um, this idea of giving and how it sort of fits into leftist parenting because um, I was, I'm often, as I've mentioned in other episodes, I'm often, you know, following mommy blogs and vlogs and forums and things like that because as a first time parent, it's important for me to like talk to other moms. And because of the pandemic, I didn't have a chance to engage in any sort of mommy groups or whatever. They just, cease to exist because of the situation. Um, so using social media, reading, going on YouTube, sometimes every now and then venturing onto Instagram is a way for me to engage other parents and learn. Um, and like sort of, you know, figure out what I need to do in certain situations uh, with regard to my own daughter, her health, her well-being, etc. So um, this week's discussion was inspired not only by the holidays, but in particular a post that I saw in a mommy group like forum on Facebook uh, for my general area. And in it, one of the moms was, you know, lamenting the fact that she couldn't get her kids that many gifts this year. And that I'm not sure if it was for financial reasons or she just chose not to, but she said, you know, that she felt like a bad mom. And I was just like floored by that because... First of all, it's it's sad. She's not a bad mom. She can't get her kids a ton of gifts. That's, you know, not the case. Um, but also just because, like, this of all years, to not be able to get your kids a lot of gifts is, is understandable. Um, it should be, like, I mean, it, it's, like, one of the most probably commonplace things we're seeing throughout. I've seen, for example, in a lot of these groups, several moms asking for financial help, um, donations, uh, you know, putting up gift lists, lists and things like that because they couldn't afford to get presents for their children but wanted them to have a somewhat normal Christmas this year. And, you know, I just think that, like, on its face, that sort of demand and pressure on parents is really hard in any year, but certainly in this year where a lot of people are losing their jobs, their health is in jeopardy, you know, some of us cannot or don't want to go out to the big box stores to buy things just for safety reasons. We have to buy things online. Some stuff may be coming slowly, unavailable, etc. So there are lots of reasons that um, this year's Christmas for people might have been really different and for their children as well. 
And so it just made me sad to see that um, a mom felt that kind of pressure. But I think the most important aspect of this, like just like looking at that and feeling sad, is that we shouldn't feel that sort of pressure in any year. It shouldn't just be this year where things are different and, oh my gosh, you know, I, I felt bad because I couldn't get XYZ for my child. It should be any year um, that we have, you know, these major holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, birthdays even, um, you know, like Hanukkah. Anytime you have a, a, a gift or, excuse me, a, a holiday where you're normally, you know, like kind of socially obligated to give gifts, those gifts don't need to be extravagant. <laughs> that, that shouldn't be the point. And, you know, like not to be, um, like I'm not, I'm not religious or anything, but I think, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say things like, don't forget the real reason of Christmas or whatever, being about, uh, you know, Jesus and, and Christianity and all of that. But I think on the secular level, the spirit of Christmas is one where we should be thinking about giving and helping others and, you know, like being with our families if possible. Again, this year sort of upset that possibility. Um, for those of us who are like trying our best to stay safe, to stay safe, being with our families was not an option um, beyond our immediate like resident, <laughs> residents of family. But, you know, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that sort of idea of this season being about giving and supporting others, being with our family, is an important takeaway uh, message. And so on that note, you know, one of the things that I've been doing with my own child is um, implementing sort of like Montessori at home practices. And I wanted to talk specifically about Montessori because I think it's an area where there's been, much like Christmas, a focus on the material, when in actuality, the focus should be on, you know, the sort of the spirit of the philosophy as a learning philosophy and one that is very much in line with leftist principles that I've talked about um, on other sides, other, you know, segments of the show series uh, for the show, I should say, uh, throughout Left POC. And then also just like in many of the things that we've read for Reading Revolution. So for those of you who don't know, um, Maria Montessori was uh, an Italian, you know, uh, educator and uh, her philosophy or you know her, her teachings and learning philosophies for children became really famous over time um, and are wildly popular right now in the US um, especially among like my generation of parents so people who had children in, in like maybe the past 10 years or so I feel like it's really been a sort of an explosion of sorts um, I think part of that explosion Unfortunately, there has been kind of as a result of, um, you know, visual culture around parenting. So when you see things on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, etc., where you see these beautiful displays and everything's sort of clean and neat and simple. Uh, a lot of Montessori toys are using, they use natural materials. Everything's very organized. So it kind of goes into the big minimalist boom that's been happening lately, but a minimalist boom that often ironically sort of emphasizes consumerism. <laughs> so like you need all these cute little baskets and you need all these, you know, cute little shelves and you need this type of organizer and then this type, you have to go buy these things to put in the shelves and blah, blah, blah. There's often a, ironically a culture of consumerism that goes with minimalism. And so, um, Maria Montessori in her teachings actually wasn't 
uh, encouraging consumerism, quite the opposite, actually. And in many cases, you know, the use of natural toys and her philosophy and whatnot was to, in order for um, the process of learning to be accessible to all students, regardless of their income levels. Um, and she was, uh, you know, like founding her schools and putting out her, like popularizing her teaching philosophy in Italy at a time of fascism. And one of the things that I learned when I read about her um, was that she didn't force the teachers who worked at her institutions to take an oath to the state, which at that time was run by Mussolini and his, his goons. And so it's really fascinating to me that someone who was teaching at the time um, went on to kind of be anti-fascist in her own way. And I think that's a side of her um, teaching and teaching philosophies that's left out of the story when we focus only on the consumerist aspects um, of, and, and not, not that those are inherent to her teaching philosophy either, but when we focus on the consumer side of um, Montessori and Montessori um, toys and things like that. So um, I think that's interesting about her. She also had a child out of wedlock, which is something else that, you know, quote unquote, out of wedlock. I don't like that phrase, but everyone knows what I mean. It's shorthand at this point. Um, she had a child uh, from an affair, um, the results of an affair, I should say, with a man. And um, the baby was born and given to, uh, I think, her aunt or something to raise um, while she went on and like continued her career. And that's another thing that's sort of interesting about her. She was a a woman who was like highly invested in her education and her her school and whatnot at a time when like most women were just expected to be housewives and like have babies and stay at home and the man was allowed to go out and do the work but in her case she was an exception in like multiple ways and so um i think it's important when you look at her life and what she did during her life and like how she led her schools and whatnot during a time of great sort of government repression it's really fascinating uh or su suppression sorry it's really fascinating to think about how one can teach in that environment and how one can learn as well how are students learning she often worked as well with um, poor children and i kind of mentioned that earlier but um, she worked with poor children she later moved to india because of of state issues and whatnot in italy she moved to india where she continued to spread her teachings, um, her, her pedagogy and opened a school there and whatnot. And I believe had several other schools that opened and sort of spread throughout the country as in the almost like franchise style manner. And when I think back of my own, on my own history, when I was little, I went to a Montessori school from like preschool, kindergarten to uh, second grade. And when I was there, I had two teachers actually who were from India. And so like now when I think about it, I'm like, oh, I, I'm kind of wondering like maybe they were trained at one of her schools um, that had opened later on, you know, like years later or whatever. Um, but I just thought of that and said, well, like, okay, this is obviously a very international form of teaching. And one of the things that it emphasizes is, you know, that your child or children in general should have independence and learning. They should be self-sufficient. They should learn on their own without so much uh, sort of like draconian oversight by parents or by, by instructors. Um, and that children should learn at their own pace. And I think that that's something that, you know, that's sort of a lesson that we can also carry into our politics, right? Because 
if <laughs> I mean, if everyone were expected to be on the same page at the exact same time, we wouldn't have much work to do, A, but then B, I'm not sure what that page would look like, right? Like, what kind of leftism is it if everyone has the same exact set of beliefs and sort of uh, mechanisms by which to accomplish political gains? You know, I think that the spirit of debate is helpful on the left in particular, especially because so many leftist ideas are um, limited by popular culture and popular politics. In our spaces, we have to be more open-minded. We have to be more flexible and listen to people and their experiences, their their past, listen to their own um, political viewpoints and perspectives and find ways to even um, reach compromise within the left, but often doing so towards a more progressive vision, right? So we're not reaching compromise for the sake of like, what can we give up or who can whom can we throw under the bus to, to reach a goal? It's more a matter of, you know, like what kind of compromises can we reach on uh, what we're, what we can do today, what we can do in the short term, and then focusing on what we can do in the long term as well. So that, that's what I mean when I say compromise on the left. I don't mean at the expense of oppressed peoples or people who are, you know, going through it at the moment. That's, that's not what I mean. Um, and so I think that her teachings in that regard have a lot to do with the left and how we think of, of ourselves as constantly learning, learning at our own pace, um, coming together, she does. She has a lot of teachings, uh, teaching philosophies that have to do with working in groups. So while you're doing a lot individually, there are also times of the day where you have like sharing circles with other children, um, and sometimes moments when the teacher will like give a short lesson, and then the students are left to sort of go about their business and and learn things at their own pace in relation to that lesson. So let's say, for example, there might be a lesson on France in general, and then the students are left to go and do research on France and French language and, you know, French culture and cuisine and things like that on their own throughout the day or that week, depending on the way the school is set up. Um, and so I think that's one one bit of, you know, one, one section of lessons, lessons that can come out of that. The other is, of course, that, as I said, the, the focus on consumerism is a new thing because Maria Montessori's teachings are actually based in a simplicity and a sort of, um, like, I don't want to say capitalist free, right? But the point is that you're supposed to be able to make toys and make lessons out of your everyday life materials um, and also by way of the everyday tasks that you engage in. So like children can learn about math and things like that by, uh, you know, helping sort food, uh, helping pour water, helping with things around the house, helping with things at the school sometimes, depending on the school, helping clean and whatnot. Um, so there are lots of opportunities for children to learn through doing. And I think that that also, um, gives an important lesson to us or helps us think about something that's important on the left in that we got, we have a tendency to talk a lot, right? Like a lot of people on the left talk a lot, but then the question is, you know, how are we applying the things that we learn? What is the sort of practical life application of what we talk about in our podcasts or in our blogs or whatever? Um, and I think we have to kind of have a moment of humility and ask ourselves if we're doing enough of that sorry, coffee break. Um, you know, I, I recently said, like, I challenge other podcast hosts to uh, demonetize 
and further democratize their content and to give back to other podcasts and other organizations on the left. Um, it's something we do at Left POC and that we think is really important. And it's something that I wish other podcasts would do more of. Um, I think it's really important. I know of some that do, for sure, but they're few and far between. So it's something that I encourage other lefties um, who have media platforms to do. But it's also something in general that we should do. And at a time like this, um, but all times, of course, to be sure. But especially right now, you know, the issue of mutual aid is super important. The state, unfortunately, is not where it needs to be. I mean, you have senators and representatives arguing over whether or not we deserve $600. I mean, it's it's disgusting. We haven't had any aid since early on in the pandemic, and even that was insufficient. Like, how do they expect people to survive at all on $1,200, God forbid, for, you know, 10 months? It's just, it's absurd. Um, but I think that, you know, the the lessons from someone like Montessori to focus on learning through doing is something that we can take away and apply as, as leftists, you know, like we can literally right now help people in our communities. We can think about, um, you know, our own skills, our own resources and how we can spread that around, you know, um, because we can't unfortunately rely on the state at the moment to help with that. We should be putting pressure on them to be sure. But we cannot rely solely on, you know, the the magnan magnanimity of someone like Mitch McConnell to look upon us weaklings and you know poor folks and say, oh yeah, they deserve something. I'll I'll let 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 this one slide this one time and I'll give them some money. That's technically already ours, but that's for another day to discuss. But anyway, um, I think that's another lesson that can be easily applied to. Um, leftist thinking and philosophy and practices. Um, and, I, you know, again, just going back to this, this Christmas idea um, and holidays in general, you know, like what you can give is important and it's how you give that's important too, right? Um, so, for example, in the case of my daughter, she's really little. She's only 10 months old right now. So all the gifts that I got her, which were a few, like, I, you know, less than 10, I would say, like small gifts. We didn't spend a ton of money, but they were all items that were based on what I noticed that she liked to do. Um, and also things that I knew would grow with her. And then thirdly, um, things that would help educate her, help teach her skills for life, for every day, things like that. Um, so it took a, it was a matter of observing her and thinking about her likes and, and what she's expressing thus far um, an interest in. And so obviously she can't tell me because she's so little, but it's just sort of watching and observing and, and learning by interacting with her. And I think that that, um, while it's a Montessori principle, also goes back to what we've talked about over and over on Left POC with regard to Paulo Freire. For those of you who may not have know, um, seen it, we did uh, one of the earliest Reading Revolution series episodes. We have three, it's like a trilogy of sorts three-parter um, on Paulo Freire's Pedagogy of the Oppressed. And in his book, and it's one of the things that like stayed with me that I often talk about when I'm asked about the book, is that he emphasized the need to live among, observe, and share in the lives of the people and the communities that you want to serve. So it's not just about going into a place, helicoptering in and saying, okay, this is what you guys need. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. I know better, you know, like I know better as like the leftist from on high and whatnot. 
Um, and instead, it's a matter of, you know, like thinking about the, the Gramsci's, Gramsci approach. Um, Gramscian approach to this is like, listen to the people within the community. And there's going to be someone who kind of emerges as a quote-unquote organic intellectual, someone who knows the situation, who has assessed the situation, who can lead their people um, in many ways and work among their people. And I think Freire's work also kind of relies on this idea of, you know, like, you need to understand the community and work within the community first before you try to, to help in any way or, like, not even delegate or... or um, administer tasks necessarily but to work alongside people you have to have guidance from within that community um, and to listen and so I think that that that's where you see kind of again an overlap of Montessori principles Gramscian principles Freudian principles and things that we should take on if we're really serious on the left you know I, I hear so many times um, that leftists are elitist they're you know quote-unquote PMC, whatever, like there's a degree of snobbery sometimes and wondering like, why aren't you guys with it? Why aren't you poor people voting this way or doing this or whatever without necessarily understanding um, the perspectives of the people who are making those decisions. And so I would highly encourage people if they are on the left and interested in leftist politics that they also do some listening. We, do, we don't do enough of that, right? We do a lot of telling <laughs> on the left. And it's understandable because I think people are at their wits end, you know? Like, things are really bad, have always been bad for certain communities. But, you know, now it's like hitting everybody um, except for the filthy rich. And when it hits everybody, people start to question, you know, what can be done to really change because they want to go back to their version of the status quo. And, um, and sometimes that involves wanting to do that without getting feedback from anyone else. Um, they're just dictating. And it's important that we don't lose sight of that need to listen on the left um, and engage and closely understand situations on the ground. And for some of us, as I say this, like we are the ground. Like we have to be careful as well, even with our everyday language. Like what do we mean when we say on the ground in a mixed crowd when some of the people in that group that we're speaking with might be the ground you know like they are on the ground because that's their everyday reality they're not coming from it from a place of you know like economic um safety they're coming at it from a place of economic precarity and so we have to make sure that we are listening reflecting and working with and alongside people to enact change in their communities and betterment of their communities and not just telling people what to do um yeah. And then again, you know, going back to this idea of like Montessori often emphasizing the need to use natural materials in toys for children and, and learning materials and toy in, uh, sorry, learning materials for children. So using things like wood, metal, glass, um, she, at the time, you know, she was teaching things that were like plastic and whatnot were not prevalent. I mean, I don't know the degree of plastic that was even available at the time that she was, um, alive and teaching actively but uh definitely now you know so many children's toys are like plastic and loud and beepy and like garish and kind of um almost distracting from the point right gimmicky and i think that that is another 
principle, like we need to go back to the roots of things, right? And that's what like radicalism is all about, right? Like going back to the root of things. And so if we're going to be real radicals, right? I think that we need to think back on our pasts and read, learn more that way, learn, even if it's an audiobook, whatever, pick up the old stuff and read it and learn from the people who came before us. But then also um, to not rely on gimmicks um, and short-lived uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, like, I'm not sure of the word that I need here, but gimmicks is the best one that I can come up with right now. It's late. Um, but I don't think we should be reliant solely. I mean, sometimes we can use those to get attention too. That, that's fine. But we shouldn't rely solely on the gimmicky stuff, the flashy stuff, the things that are unnatural, that are untethered to the community, things that are not based in reality, things that are based on what's trendy for the moment. We have to think about this as a long fight and um, one that requires organizing, community building, discussing things with others, reflection, learning and educating, right? Educating ourselves. And so I think that that's another sort of parallel to Montessori philosophy that we can apply to leftist organizing and thinking and, and um, you know, like, leftist ideology as a whole, right? We have to go back to the roots. We have to go back to what's real and we have to understand what's real. Um, we can't get distracted by the flashy stuff. You know, it's very easy to kind of think of socialism as this cool thing to do and it's hip and like, look at all these podcasters making all this money doing this and that and like doing these things that seem socialist perhaps on the surface. But then when you get down to it, a lot of people are just self-interested. And so where do we get to the point where we're saying, oh, no, wait, we have to put our socialism in action. It has to be rooted to something. It has to be closely connected to a situation that's ongoing. It has to have a long-term view as well. It has to have a trajectory. We have to have a plan. We have to base things on something. We can't just fly by the seat of our pants for every single act. And we shouldn't just react, right? We have to, as a left, have a basis, have a foundation. And so I think sometimes the American left lacks that because all of our history of organizing, learning, and all of that has been broken up so many times by the state. Um, you know, several of the people that I've interviewed for Left POC and that Richard and, I, Richard and I have spoken to have emphasized this, right? They've spoken about the fact that, like, so many movements as they were getting off the ground were broken up by the government that were spied upon and infiltrated and, and destroyed. And what was left of it was sort of a simulacra. It wasn't the real thing. It wasn't rooted in anything. It was just sort of like, you know, something that could easily be co-opted or that was often co-opted. And so we have to be very careful about following the flashing lights only. You know, flashing lights are good. Again, they bring attention to these movements. They bring attention to our needs and, and sort of the, the guiding principles of our, of our ideology. But we also have to have roots and I think that, that that's something that we have to work on as an American left in particular, because America, the U.S., the United States is at the center of empire. It is the empire. So how do we organize within that? Um, how do we have a left that is solid within that? And it's a very challenging task. It's something that's going to be a daunting task to take on. It's a, it's a, a goal that we should set, but it's not a goal. It's, it's a goal that's not without challenges, I should say. Um, but it's something that I think we should do. So um, when I think about giving, you know, I'm thinking about giving back to a left, 
right? Not just the community, but also how can we feed a left that is strong, that is, um, you know, that's balanced, that's multi-class, multi-racial, as, as large as we can grow it, but without losing focus on what's important, without letting people fall through the cracks. That to me is essential. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess my point here is that thinking like this mom who was talking about, you know, the need to feeling like she needs to buy all this stuff for her kids for Christmas and how she feels bad about it. I think on the left, we need to look at our situation and say, you know, we have a lot of work to do, but it can't just be at the surface. We have to have meaning behind what we do. And you can buy a whole bunch of stuff and that's, you know, like exhaust your finances and your kids might be happy, play with them for five seconds and then they tear up. They don't have any longevity you know, and then you throw them in the trash. And then that's like more more work gone to waste for other people, right? We can't have a left like that. We have to have a left that has value, that has purpose, that's rooted, that's grounded in reality, that's grounded in <clears throat> the struggles that are ongoing for our people. And that recognizes that, you know, the flashiness isn't the answer to everything. And that we have to have some sort of um, some sort of balance, like I said before. So, yeah, it's just something I was th- thinking about, and um, where I saw some overlap between you know what I'm trying to do with my daughter and what I know lots of parents are trying to do as well um, with my own leftist principles and many of those that I share with those of you out there who listen to this. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to, to kind of connect some dots here that were on my mind and, you know, just sort of, again, reminding parents out there who are listening to this that you are doing enough. <laughs> like, these are really hard times. And I think that many of us are stressed out and like at our wits end on a variety of levels. And I don't think that you need to trouble yourself with materialism right now. Like I know you're trying to keep your kids happy, but also it's an important time to teach them about giving back to others, about helping people in their community, about taking what's theirs and valuing it, treasuring it and understanding its meaning and purpose. And also just sort of seeing at the the base of it all that you are trying, you are doing your best. You are keeping your family together you know, by any means necessary at a time of crisis. And that, and I say the left is doing the left as a sort of, as a metaphor here. The family is the metaphor of the left in this case, but the left is doing a lot of that as well. We're trying to, we're trying to kind of stay together when there's, there are so many problems afoot, but it's going to be okay. And we just have to take stock of what needs to be done, how we can do it and listen to the communities that need us most um, in order to accomplish those goals. So with that said, everyone, please be safe out there. We've got New Year's coming up. Um, do your best to stay at home. You don't have to go to a party. You don't have to go out for New Year's. Find ways to make New Year's Eve a blast at home. Um, protect your family, protect your friends, and, um, just, you know, like appreciate what you have and take what you do have to spread to others. Um, not just around the holiday season, but at any time, right? Um, anytime you can try to support others. And I think, you know, going off of something that, um, 
several others have been pushing, especially like groups like Hood Communists, you know, they've said join an organization. If that's something that's within reach for you, join an organization, you know, work with others, listen to others, share with others, find a way to collaborate, find a community that you can work within and that you can learn from and that will support you and that you can support others through. Um, you know, right now, a lot of us feel alone. And I think finding that kind of space on the left is important if it exists, you know, in your area or if, even if just virtually, right? Um, do what you can to, to have a base and somewhere to go back to, somewhere to call your ideological home. Because right now it's going to get real shifty. Like I think just out of the pressure and sheer stress of the moment, it's easy to lose sight of those things. Um, but you do need a sort of foundation somewhere to base yourself. Um, and I think several several people on the left have been reflecting on this lately because everything sort of feels separated right now and like we're, we're pulled apart in so many different directions and um, you know being a part of something having that sort of group in your life is is great if you can get it um, yeah sorry that was a bit of a tangent but anyway anyway <laughs> Find your family where, where you can find it, you know. Find your family in blood, find your family in friends, find your family in politics. And, um, you know, you'll always feel like you're at home. So with that, happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> Be safe. Thanks so much for listening. And again, don't forget, you can find more about the Left Pocket Project, uh, Comrade Mommy, the Reading Revolution series, Left PFC of the Week, and much, much more by visiting our Patreon page, and that's patreon.com slash leftpoc, where if you have it, you can donate a dollar or more per per month um, to help us stay afloat, because of course everything we have for the podcast is free and available to the public. We don't believe in paywalls, and we believe in democratizing, democratizing excuse me, um, left ideology. So yeah, definitely check that out. Also check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, and wherever you get your podcasts, so that's SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, you name it, we're on it, iTunes. Um, so yeah, keep us, keep us in your thoughts <laughs> and feel free to, um, you know, tell a friend about us, tell a family member, tell someone that you think would find this sort of content interesting, especially because there's so much stuff out there, so much to weed through. And we really do here at Left PSC try to, you know, stay close to the foundation. We really are interested in learning more from our history in order to better proceed into the future. That's something that Freire pushed. That's something that so many of the people whom we have read and discussed at Left POC have done. And so that's something that we follow as well. So anyway, thanks everyone. Stay safe. Happy New Year. And um, yeah, that's it. Have a good one.